Our text today is from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 40 through 52. Before I read our passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer that he would bless the reading and preaching of his word. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning again uh, to beseech you that you would give us your spirit for the task at hand. We come and sit at the feet of the evangelist Luke, who you inspired by your Holy Spirit to reveal unto us Jesus Christ infallibly. And we ask, dear Lord, that we would give attention to the reading of your word and preaching of it. We ask that Christ would be magnified, that we would see him with the eyes of faith clearly. We pray, dear Lord, that you would uh, cause this work uh, to go forth in power, that your word would accomplish in our hearts what you intend, that we would repent of sin, that we would draw ever closer in faith to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and render unto you all obedience and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 40 through 52. And the child grew, and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew it not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them, and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. Amen. We have here a passage of the life of Christ that is not found anywhere else. Matthew uh, does narrate a, a bit of the nativity of Jesus Christ, as does Luke. But Luke alone gives us this little snippet into the, uh, the life of Jesus himself as he is going from boyhood to manhood. And, and we get a picture, uh, are fleshed out for us, a picture of who this Jesus is. Now, in the ancient world especially after the time of Christ, 
and amongst the church of the as as Gentiles were brought in and, and therefore certain pagan notions were brought in, uh, there was many that looked to their Savior as as God that just comes into the world. He just walks into the world, kind of like Zeus would just walk into the world uh, in in a body, uh, in in a in a form, but but had no history, had no future. He was just there. This was known as docetism, uh, that the Son of God came and appeared to be human. Uh, but was truly divine and not subject to the weaknesses and the, the problems and the, 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 uh, the infirmities of, of mankind in general. But that is not who our Savior is. And we see Him in this passage particularly in His true humanity. There are things said of Jesus Christ that those early heretics would pull back from and discuss. And sometimes you and I scratch our head about it as well. He says in verse 40, The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And he says in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Well, how is it that the eternal Son of God, that was from the foundation of the world, was from all eternity, ever uh, that as, well, I'm almost going to say as long as there's been a God, there's always been a God from all eternity. There's always been Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That He is the express image of the Father. That He is God of God, light of light. True Lord of true Lord. And yet here we have Luke writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaking truth and verity, that he increased in wisdom, that he increased in stature, that he increased in favor not only with mankind around him, but with God too. And this is a picture of, this is a description, this is a revelation to the fact that Jesus Christ is truly human. That yes, He is the Son of God from all eternity, and He has a divine nature, but He also has a human nature. And when Jesus is in the flesh, when Jesus is who He is, He's not pretending to be man. He's not, a, he's not God in human costume. That He is God in the flesh. That He is God and man. In theology class we learn the word theanthropos. Which is just a fancy way of saying God-man. Or the man-God. That He is both. And He's not half of one and half of the other. He's not part man and part God. That He is God And after the nativity, and into eternity, we don't say he was, he is God and man. For us, truly in the flesh, 
This is what John says in his Gospel in John 1.14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We could behold Him because He's in the flesh. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one cometh unto the Father except through Him because He is in the flesh. And we can bridge that gap between the Creator and the creation because He bridged that gap between the Creator and the creation. That in Jesus Christ, God is also creation as well as Creator. And He's that for us. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, writes, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Or in Philippians chapter 2, Paul describes Christ being in the form of God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but nevertheless made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him also the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Or as we have in in the epistle to the Hebrews, in John uh, Hebrews two, sixteen through eighteen, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels which might pop in and out of existence uh, like the ancient uh, Greek gods who were but devils themselves and fallen angels. He took on not that nature, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted Tipted, he is able to succor them that are also tempted. That he took upon his flesh for us. And it is part of the fundamental confession of our faith. Paul writes to Timothy when he's trying to inculcate what you ought to be passing on. That tradition of the apostles, the gospel that you ought to be teaching without controversy, 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. John, in his first epistle, 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3, he says this, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. Jesus is, as he says in verse 15, the Son of God. But he's also the Son of God, come in the flesh. It's a fundamental. It distinguishes the true believers from the unbelievers to understand that our Savior has come in humanity. And because he was human, 
He grew and developed into the man he is today. He is a man today. He is a man at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's why we confess such a thing. That even now he is a faithful high priest that understands you, your struggles and my struggles because he, he himself grew and struggled. That he grew and developed. That he matured. He was a child. And he wasn't a child, he wasn't a, a little adult that, that looked like a child, but was really all the wisdom of the universe. He was a child. It's part of what he did when, he, when Paul writes that he made himself of no reputation. The Greek is literally, he, he made himself nothing. And it's not that he divorced himself from his divine nature. He was still in that great mystery of who Jesus is. He was still eternal God and all-knowing. But his humanity was not. And he is in his humanity as he is in his Godhead. And like you and like me, he had to learn. And he had to understand and he had to figure things out. So when you're struggling to figure things out, remember that your Savior has gone before you in this too. This is one of the many, many ways that Jesus fulfills and brings us into that fellowship with God by, by undergoing and doing those things that you and I have to do anyway. Now, unlike you and me, he was untainted by sin and the doing. He had to learn wisdom, but he was not a fool. He had to uh, learn a great deal and grow in stature and grow in grace, but he was never without it. And he was never ungracious. Paul writes, or the writer to the Hebrews writes in uh, Hebrews 4.15, he says, For we have a high priest which cannot... Uh, for we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And this thing that was conceived in Mary's womb is holy from the very get-go. But not mature. Not with full understanding. Not with a full grasp of all the faculties that is to be a human being. And that he had to develop. And, Paul, and Luke writes that for us. He gives us this picture in the childhood of, of Jesus Christ. Not to no purpose. Not just that we might have some sentimental picture of, of, of the Holy Family. Uh, between the, the, the nativity and, and the miseries and, and the, the, the stresses of his ministry. That he begins when he's 30 or thereabouts. But he gives us this picture here that we might know that Jesus Christ is truly human. And so we see him in his humanity. But we also see him in this particular incident that he knows he is also the Son of God. We have the story of uh, Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus going to, to Passover as was their annual custom. 
They were very faithful at it. This was a, a pilgrimage. It would take about a week. Uh, we get a little glimpse of, of first century life here. It's not, you do not have helicopter parents in, in Palestine in, in the first century. Uh, they, they, were, they probably come from Nazareth in a big caravan. They were going back to Nazareth in a big caravan. They set out. They don't see Jesus for a day. They don't care. He's with the other boys somewhere. And it's not until the evening when they check around with their family and their acquaintances that they realize that they've left him. And they head back. Uh, it says after three days, they probably weren't in Jerusalem looking for Jesus for three days. This is probably... Uh, the, the way the Greek does it, it's probably that day that they left, the day that they realized that they have not found Jesus, and then the, the time to go back. And they find him probably not too far from where they had left him. He is in the courts of the temple. He is not teaching here. This is not a picture of Jesus teaching. This is a picture of Jesus learning. He's sitting amongst the doctors, the rabbis of the uh, of the, the church at the time. And he's asking questions as was proper. And he's giving answers because questions would be uh, asked back. And he's precocious. And he's noted as being precocious. And, and very likely he is also giving light to these professors of, of the law. But he is learning nevertheless his father's word. His law. Uh, he, he had certainly... We would imagine the law written upon his heart as a holy child. But the details of it, you know, there's the difference between a holy instinct and a holy knowledge to match it. And Jesus would not just be instinctually the Savior. He will know what God has required of him. And there he is. He's in there uh, and he is learning and he's notable. As, as a boy that is seeking to learn the law of God. And, and we, we, we excuse Mary because we can hear the mother here. We can hear her anxiety. Uh, when she, she, she seeks to rebuke him. Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And, and very true. I don't doubt. But Jesus is the one that turns and, and not as a rebuke, but as a surprise. Why? You should know that I must be about my father's business. I am a 12-year-old boy. It's the time for learning. And I am going and I am studying because I must be about my father's business. He knew at 12 whose business he was about. And it wasn't his mother's husband that he's talking about. He knew he was the Son of God. Now what this meant for him in his psychology, I don't know. It's, it's a really hard thing to delve into the mysteries of the, the incarnation, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ, especially at this age when he's still developing in his humanity. It's hard enough in his adulthood, but at this point, how does he know these things? What is going on? 
perhaps Mary himself, herself or Joseph told him. And he's learning this uh, piecemeal. We don't know, but we do know that he knows that he is the Son of God. And he has a burden to carry. And this being the Son of God isn't just being the child with power. This is not a Marvel superheroes movie. Jesus is not coming into the world as a demigod of Zeus or, or a demigod of Jupiter that can throw around his power and might and win fame and fortune and, and divine honors and be remembered all throughout history. That's not his point. He knew exactly as a child of the Father that he was coming into the world as a human being that he might be the Lamb of God, which means he might be the sacrifice. And one of the things that Jesus is probably learning, remember this is at the time of the Passover, is what it means to be that lamb that delivers the people from their bondage. He knows that this is not going to be glorious in the way the world counts glory. This is going to be hard. Does he know that he's going to sweat blood on the night in which he is betrayed? Does he know he's going to uh, be ripped to shreds by scourging? Does he know that the exact form of his uh, sacrifice will be the, the crucifixion? I don't know at this point. But he must know that it is suffering. And then he has to be prepared. And so he is about his father's business. Even at 12 years old, children. It's, not, it's never too early to think about how you're going to serve God in, in your life. It's never too early. Jesus was about it at 12. He's probably about it younger than that. But this is the appropriate time. He's doing the appropriate things at the appropriate time. And he was preparing. He was preparing for his future. And, and when it came to his earthly parents and his divine father, the authority, the, if, the, if the two went at cross purposes, he was about his heavenly father's business. Even at the age of 12, we have Jesus in a situation where the, the, the authority of man and the authority of God is at odds. And even here, we ought to obey God rather than man. It's not harsh. It's not like Peter to the Sanhedrin. It's not like Paul to Caesar. But it's here. His own mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. I have to be about my father's business. And yet, he wasn't exempt from childhood. We read in verse 51 that he went down with them, down from Jerusalem, down from the high grounds to the low grounds of Galilee. He went down from Jerusalem uh, and went to Nazareth and was subject unto them. He wasn't being smart aleck when he told his mother he had to be about his father's business. He wasn't being... Uh, disobedient when he wasn't with the caravan where they thought he ought to be. 
he was still subject unto his, his mother and, and Joseph. Subjection to Joseph and, mother, to, and his mother was also part of his father's business in fulfilling the law. Jesus Christ, children. Jesus Christ himself honored his father and his mother. It's a fundamental part of who he is and what he has done. All the more freely then should you and I learn to live obediently in this life, to live with the authority structures as best we can, keeping the two together. Jesus was subject in subjection to his father and mother, but he was about his father's business. And that comes first. But we shouldn't fear the yoke that is placed upon us in the world as long as we can still be about our Father's business. Because that too is part of our Father's business. And this is who Jesus is. He is fully human, but He knows and is the Son of God as well. And because He is the Son of Man and the Son of God, Jesus is the grace of God. He is your Lord, your God, your King, but He's also your pattern, your example, the one who's gone before you to show you the way. That you and I are to grow and mature into full Christian manhood. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, Paul writes about this. He says, He gave some, these are the ascension gifts of Jesus Christ, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave them for this purpose, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. What he did, he grew in wisdom and grew in favor with God and man, and we ought to do the same. You know, Jesus fulfills the office of a bishop, the qualifications, even at the age of 12. He grew in favor with God and man. A bishop is to have a good reputation even amongst in the world. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That you and I are to grow together into the body of Christ, just as Christ grew into his manhood. And he knows your struggles in this. He knows that this is not easy. He knows it's one thing to say, grow and mature in Jesus Christ. And another thing to do it. And that's why he's your faithful high priest. He knows the struggles that you have, even though he had no sin to deal with. He knew that he was dealing with a people of sin, and he was doing this in a world filled with sin. And so he took not on him the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of Abraham, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like his brothers, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, 
to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, and that he himself has also suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are also tempted. He is able to give you the aid that you need to grow and mature after the pattern of our Savior. It's also important to realize, as we close out, Jesus Christ was about his Father's business. His Father's business was our salvation. His business is the Father's love to you and to me. He knew what it cost. And if he didn't, as a little age, he was beginning to learn it. And as he learned it, he was ever more resolved to do his Father's will. Because it wasn't just to Mary that he said, I am about my Father's business. It was to the Sanhedrin and the scribes and the Pharisees. says, I must do the work of my Father. I and my Father are one. Knowing what it costs. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, the misery there, to bear the brunt of hell and, and the condemnation for sin that he did not commit, that you committed, that I committed. That's what he was about. He was taking that away, just as the Passover lamb took away uh, the condemnation uh, when the destroyer went through Egypt. This is who Jesus is. He is God and man. That you, as a human being, can be reconciled unto God. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning again in the name of Christ. And we ask as we contemplate the boyhood of our Savior and King, that we would ourselves give ourselves to that growth and development and maturity and wisdom and truth, that we too might be about your business in the world, and that we would not chafe under authority, as our Savior didn't, that we would not uh, shirk our responsibilities, because our Savior didn't, and that we would love because he loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.